0: Welcome back to the Pilgrim Faith Podcast, where human wonder fuels the quest for Christian wisdom. Today is another episode with uh, just Dale and I. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a word. Uh, Dale threw this out to me the other day, and I'm going I'm to bring it up with him, and then we'll just have a conversation from that. But uh, Dale used the word uh, submission. Uh, maybe it was just the word submit. And it happened to be uh, planted inside of a sentence that came off to me, despite myself, as attractive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you when you hear the word submission, you know it's a it, it's a tricky word for we modern people. And of course, there's a lot of kind of obvious kind of pushback and reaction to that. And, uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, most of us, you go to church and oh boy, it's the submission sermon, you know, that's the one you're, you're, you are You know, you have to fight a lot of kind of native instincts as a, as a, as a modern contemporary person to, uh, to, you know, get in the right headspace for that. And, and very often rhetorically, when people talk about this, it's, it's not put in a very attractive way, or it's not, it's not Mm. particularly nuanced and is maybe, maybe sometimes just driven by, Uh, uh, you you know, sort of fighting modern trends or something like that without Mm -hmm. its own sort of positive wisdom. But nevertheless, uh, here you are at your particular stage of life. Uh, Why has this been on your head? What's what's uh, what is it about, you know, the theme of submission and the goodness of submission that's been sort of striking you? And maybe we'll jump from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I grew up in uh, sort of Uh, fundamentalist um, churches uh, submission was always um, a sort of like the heartbeat of the church dynamic um, and the family dynamic. So, uh, you know, I was a 90s kid. Um, Mom and dad would talk about the word a lot. I heard it in sermons. And so I just sort of through osmosis uh, built this sort of architecture of what submission looks like and just sort of operated inside of that uh, building and with certain parameters. Um, And it's always one of those things that's like, uh, you know, kind of closes the air pipe down a little bit when you think about the implications of having to submit to anything really right uh but the bible is clear that uh god's law is a law of love and it's freeing and i think uh there was one of those gestalt shifts in the consciousness Uh, we had our first day of uh school on monday so the new school's up and running Uh, And we did chapel in the morning, and I sort of located uh, the spiritual vibe for the day in Colossians chapter 3, where Paul is telling um, slaves to obey their masters and work as unto the Lord and not as people pleasers. We're not looking for recognition from those in authority above us, but we uh, submit to them and we work diligently for God. Uh, And I talked about the goodness of authority. Um, authority, especially in the self-expressive individualism waters we're all swimming with in North America, uh, means I'll respect the authority insofar as the authority respects me. Um, And there seems to be a tension, but I'm feeling less of the tension because I think I'm starting to understand submission to authority in a more liberating way. If that makes sense, I think mm-hmm. this is where our conversation went. It's a delight to submit. It's a delight to obey. And you really uh, go back to Exodus chapter 20, where God tells Israel um, in the fifth commandment, obey your mother and father and the Lord so that it will go well with you in the land. Right. Uh, so there, th- the whole reason God is telling them to submit to an authority Is so that they will prosper in Israel. Hmm. Um, And it really does need to be a a shift of like the frame, your framing of uh, submission and authority, uh, where you do it out of a delight for the thing that you have to submit to because you're going to receive a blessing if you do submit there. Yeah. Now, we can take this in a million different yeah, ways. Yeah, one of the
0: one of the immediate <laughs> things I might say is just that it's interesting when I'm hearing you talk to to recall I think so much of the so much of the conversation conversation around things like authority and submission and this is somewhat understandable for fallen people right uh, so much of the conversation is around when that goes wrong in other yeah. words let's look at you know what we're trying to do is kind of craft something that will avoid all the errors and there really are errors in, in all of those things and yet ultimately that that's an insufficient way to get at the thing itself the sufficient way to get at the thing itself is actually to say just what what are they as goods in themselves and why are they goods in themselves and then and then what and then what is the threshold you know through which you can you know have an exception in participating in them (laughs) you know you know but they're even though they're they're your default so to speak um it's interesting you know you when i hear you say this one of the things that uh strikes me about the way that you're saying it is that it's uh in, in a way to take this approach, you have to be persuaded. In other, in other words, to have this relationship to authority is not simply a matter of uh, kind of manipulating your will in a state of panic so you don't do the bad thing or something like that. In yes. other words, it, it, that's not that's not really the idea. The idea here is rooted in a judgment that the mind has made. A judgment that this is actually good. And, and perhaps even we could we could add the category of understanding, not just mm. judging, well in fact, a lot of times, uh, I can just caveat here and, and maybe that'll help us. A lot of times people make the judgment submitting to authority is good but they don't have the understanding in other words they don't know the kind of insides of exactly what is good about it how it's good and therefore where we can say no you don't need to do that or no you totally should just just do this thing that you're being asked yeah. to do you know uh, and it's that that level of understanding i think is especially especially lacking but also the area where it can become especially especially beautiful if you if you inhabit what it is like and and really the 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 way it becomes beautiful for us ultimately is uh, is ultimately through submitting to Christ and and, and being in a submission slave quite literally a slave relationship uh, that is uh, fulfilling uh, uh, and is experienced by us as the actually the chief exercise of our freedom that is actually one of the real ironies is that it really is the, the Christian as a judgment for their whole selves says, I will follow this freely, takes up <laughs> the following of this one as my Lord. Uh, and that act of submission is actually the freest and most rational and most sovereign act uh, yeah. that a human being I think ultimately makes. Um, yeah. And so the, the the vision that we're talking about in Mediated to human authorities, then, in a sense, requires for virtue at least. Sometimes you just have to tell people what to do, even if they don't yeah. want to do it. That really does exist sometimes. But at least for virtue, for the sake of virtue, uh, what this would involve is not just sort of like, I just do the thing, I just submit in the that as of it, as it were. I just believe in submission against all the limbs. Yes. Yeah, understanding yeah. the beauty of the thing itself and in, in inhabiting mm. it. Uh, and then yes. per- following what you are persuaded of. Uh.
1: Yeah. And I think that's key. So if you look at scripture and you do biblical theological meta narratives that tie all this, the, the whole uh, library of books in the Bible together, uh, you could pick the temple, which is a big one. Um, you could also pick uh, the new heavens and the new earth um you know sort of like sacri you could pick sacraments whatever whatever right there's a million different ways you can parse out the meta-narratives but I think what you see uh emerge as one of the meta-narratives anyway is this idea of a wedding so God marries a certain people like we are called the Bride of Christ in the New Testament God divorces Israel in the Old Testament we have all these illusions about we've got the Song of Solomon uh, we've got all these illusions about the union with God in the context of marriage, um, and God is in the business of wooing His bride. He really is in the project of making His beauty shine so bright that running away from the light, the 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 utter transcendental Big B beauty, uh, is only because of a hardened, darkened heart that can't stand how dark they are in contrast to the beauty their ugliness they're the orcs the ugliness their own ugliness as reflected in the light or seen more clearly in 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 uh with the backdrop of god's beauty um that's what that's what people are are fleeing from uh and that becomes pathological right you 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 create all these different pathologies to cope uh, with the fact that God's beauty is in the butterfly and the bees and the oak tree and the, and the sand on the shore and, and the horizon and a, and a setting sun and all of these things that are breaking into our consciousness and telling us that there's something beautiful out there and good and true. But God is nevertheless, Mike, the point that I'm making, he's interested in wooing people. And that means that he's interested in convincing people of all that he is in a million different ways. That's God's wisdom. Right. And when you lean into that, I think when you really start to say, ah, I can see how beautiful God is and how good God is and how true God is, because I'm looking around and I'm experiencing. As an image bearer, using all the faculties that God has given me, I'm experiencing all that beauty yeah. and all that truth and all that goodness. Then, when we're convinced, we can talk to other people about that. So to your point about understanding, it's I think a similar thing is like when you raise children, both you and I have, uh, we have kids, yeah. we both have uh, our oldest son is uh, sons are similar in age. Um, when they're little, and they pick up a fork, and they're walking over towards the electrical outlet, you're like, no! You know, yes, you're yes, screwed. Yes. And that's it. I don't have to be like, listen, oh, uh, you're actually right. going against the goodness and the truth
0: and the beauty of yeah. the cosmos if you stick the yeah. thing in
1: the,
0: uh, yeah. But as the they- the police, do- you're not allowed to shoot that guy. In, yeah. in jail, you can have a class about, you know, you know, moral uh, formation. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but in the moment, yeah, you just got to stop it. Yeah, that's right. You just
1: have to stop it. But as but as children develop, as they fill out, as they become more self-aware and they become uh, better thinkers and reasoners uh, about everything that they're experiencing, given all of uh, yeah. the teaching that they're receiving in the Bible and yada, yada, yada. Um, you then crank the dial up to the attractiveness of obedience. yeah now obedience isn't just obedience because mom and dad said so when I convince when I try to convince my son about the goodness of obedience, I really do it pure like it's not the 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 emphasis is not on the negative like you were saying earlier like don't do this because you'll die. It's like no if you do this, if you do this, you are going to get. Manna from heaven dropped down by your he- your father, uh, who's going to reward you because that's what he does for his children. If he takes care of the lilies in the field and they're pretty, and he t- and he knows every sparrow that falls dead, if he knows all the hairs on your head, how well is he going to take care of you? So. When you really do frame God in the context of a good father that is supremely attractive, then obedience is what you naturally, it naturally flows from your response. And this
0: is like you just started this school. And this is very similar to the classical, kind of the classical model of a developing mind is that at the grammar stage, you're mostly in the judgment stage. In other words, we're just trying to get you to say that. Your catechism is just getting your brain to say that this is true. That's all, that two plus two is four. That's all. I just want you to memorize the formulas and make all the judgments. It's then in that 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 dialectic stage that you are you you are you are trying to create more understanding through dialogue. And this is then not just an external reinforcement, but the attempt to sort of give. Uh, uh, to, to move in the Tao, the tradition of wisdom through dialogue. And then that final stage of, of real maturity uh, is when is when you creatively inflect through, through your own rhetoric, <laughs> when you creatively inflect through your own rhetoric, you give a new sounding to truth in some way and to beauty uh, through your own co-creativity with God uh, that's what you're being trained to do. And, and, and at each stage, you have a different relationship to a word like submission. At that first stage, you know, you're the kid, obey mom and dad. You just got to do it because life will, will, society will fall apart if you don't do it. Oh, freaking mom and dad. Oh. You know, all the teenagers, we get the, you know, we get the thing, but then, you know, the second stage, you know, as a teenager, maybe if you're lucky, uh, you know, you get some understanding of, okay, I do, I, my mind is beginning to see the reality that actually, you know, you, you can actually see some teenagers sometimes come to the conclusion, really through dialogue. I've, I've, I've had conversations like this, you know, with my own children. Like if, if your way were just given over to the world, you could help their mind trace the steps to see that would make the whole cosmos fall apart yeah. The only reason we're doing this is because we love you, and you kind of begrudgingly, you know, your mind begrudgingly understands. <laughs> but then there's the the active delight in in deeper understanding, and that's the that's actually the the thing that summons you in a sense. That that end goal is what summons you through, through through the first two, or at least or at least uh, for for somebody for somebody seeking the truth. And you and it reminds it. me of, you know, the other thing I'd add here is that. one way to frame the issue of authority and submission, or, or really just the idea that human beings might have to submit to authority, to tradition, uh, that sort of thing, um, I think is to is to say that we have perhaps as modern people really failed to remember, or we've forgotten, just, just how finite our actual knowledge is and our vantage point is. Like we really yeah. think we know things. We really think we've got a system. <laughs> you know, all of us, whether whether yeah. whether it's like conservative reformed or what everybody is persuaded that they've they've got this system or that they figure, figured and, and there's there's just very little sense out there of what do I know? Like I'm just yeah. one dude in the sea of time, and the sea of civilization, and the sea of Christendom. Who am I to know? And when you when you think of that, one of the things that becomes clearer to me, and that's been every human in history, this is why the tradition is important because it's the hive mind as opposed to just your little puny life, uh,
1: yes.
0: which is nevertheless a vantage point on the whole and uh, wonderful go be yourself. Any ca- in any case, uh, yes. uh, 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 one of the things that reinforced to me as I was thinking through it is how fitting it is that God has made the Bible a a universal book Mm -hmm. uh, that that does not just speak to its own times, but is intended in his superintending providence to reach and to speak into all times, just as the one event of Christ, the one person of Christ is the man, the center of history, which gathers together all the epochs and all the moments into into its, its synthesis, as it were uh, you know, the Bible is the book of books. Um, and, and I think to, for those who feel their finitude and who believe that God exists for rational reasons, and there are rational reasons to believe God exists, it it becomes plausible to think that finite and fallen and weak creatures like ourselves would in fact need something precisely like the Bible to become wise. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And and there's nothing else you can say to that except to, you know, you read the Bible, my people perish for lack of knowledge, the level of agitation you read in its pages for wisdom, and then you go to Socrates, and he's burning, like just burning with the desire to know, and all he's frustrated with is walking around and seeing all these people who claim to know, and all he can persuade to them is, is, no, you don't. You think, grasp the thing deeply, but you're just grasping at the, the ephemeral margins of things. Yeah. and, and scripture you feel the same agitation in scripture and that both in the philosophical tradition as drew johnson points out all of these guys thought that they had divine revelation yeah <laughs> but but similarly the wisdom of solomon and, 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 the, and, the, and the heritage of moses it really is divine illumination that the i feel the necessity of it and when i think and, and it makes sense out of the word submission more to me because part of what is latent in the idea and in the wisdom of the notion of submission, is that human beings are a collective organism that know collectively, and that submitting to authority to your parents, to the magistrate, is to, to, is to give deference to, uh, 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 is to, in principle, uh, give deference to where wisdom in the human algorithm gathers <laughs> and to reinforce those joints and that's a good thing yeah. and in some inconvenience of mission where you're not being forced to sin but you're it's just annoying <laughs> some yeah. inconvenience or or you know again there's places where you're enabling people to abuse you and you should never do that but like mm-hmm. but but the, but uh, uh 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 there are the annoying going through with the annoying, in a sense, is to is for the reinforcement of the structure itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was going to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's so funny that you brought up Socrates. So I'm reading uh, Marcos book right now. Um, Oh, what's the title of it? I'm so bad with titles, Joe.
0: From Plato to Christ.
1: Yes. From Plato to Christ. Yep. That's the name yep. of the book. Yep. And we're going to be interviewing him soon. Lord, uh,
0: next Friday. Yep.
1: Yes. But he talks about how Socrates' dialogues basically end with no resolution. Like one of the things he talks about in the beginning of the book is not to give away our next episode. And I won't say a lot more about what Marcus is saying, but just to say, I was reading that this afternoon and here's what's going on in my brain. And you brought it up. But Socrates really was frustrated that you've got all these people walking around on the polis that, you know, you ask them, hey, what's justice? And they're like, they give you, they give an example. And he's like, yeah, but what is justice? Like, what are you saying when you give me the example? And he's just like frustrating these people Um, because Socrates was, I I believe, and I'm no student of Socrates, I'm no historian, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm I'm not the most adept at telling you the historiography of philosophy, but it seems like uh, what Socrates was concerned about was that everybody is just sort of certain all the time. Um now you can't go through life in this constant sort of disjointed um scatterbrained panicky I don't know anything and I have to just you know admit that I don't know anything about anything cuz then you just die. Yeah. Uh you you don't make a move. Right. Um I I think uh, that part judgments. You
0: know, yeah. Yeah,
1: and you need to make judgments.
0: Yep.
1: And that's what I wanted to ask you about. So we're talking about Uh, submission, and we're talking about the idea that uh, your relationship to submission changes when the authority that you must submit to becomes attractive rather than stifling. Uh, Ultimately that's God, but then if you see God as establishing these lower delegated forms of authority than submission to them, you should be convinced on the basis of attraction as well and persuasion. Yeah. So Joe we live in 2021 it is the current year brother yeah <laughs> the year of our lord <laughs> yes right and, and and we've got uh you know covid we've got lgbtq plus stuff we've got uh, just the whole litany of of the laundry list of things that are melting and falling apart. Social fabric is fraying, trust systems are broken. No one likes anyone anymore. Um, if we are trying to go out and tell the purple haired, shout your abortion t-shirt wearing LGBTQ plus advocate that they need to submit to Christ. For the salvation of their soul. And for the listening audience, this is something that Joe and I spoke about last uh, spoke about last night for several hours. How do you evaluate given our judgments right so you and I are making judgments Mm -hmm. and when you walk into a room that's full of people that are on the other end of the things that we believe. um, How do you determine where your energies are best spent magnifying the truth and goodness and beauty of Christ. Because in my thinking, and you've been very helpful to me on this front, I don't think that a lot of it can be done in our current context. In other words, I think I've mentioned this before on the program, I view our conscience as a sort of insurance agent. Given all of our lived experiences up until the time we find ourselves at this exact moment, what we're doing is collect us unconsciously, or maybe subconsciously, collectively gathering all of those experiences in one coherent framework of judgment in which we uh, quickly try to locate uh, at uh, people that are going to be more for us and people that are going to be more against us, uh, because if we get into um, a relationship with people that could harm us well that could cost us uh pushing pushed to it's a uh, logical conclusion that could re- literally cost us our lives so yeah. you must make judgments in the moment and you must pick up the little cues and all the subtle uh text that you're reading with all of your experience and all of your judgments that are firing off at a million miles an hour and how do you do that when that person over there seems to hate everything you how do you talk about submitting to Christ for the redemption of your soul when it seems like what if i say that that person over there is going to destroy me yeah. i'm going to lose my job i'm going to get in trouble on the i'm going to be a pariah it, i'll turn into a meme i'm going to end up on right. youtube tiktok yeah, you're
0: very memeable dale uh, i think you're <laughs> yes, right. uh, yes. Uh, uh maybe i should make a meme out of you and get ahead of the curve uh, uh, <laughs> um uh that's a good question. Um, so I, I don't think there's a, there's a couple of things that can be said in principle, but there some of the answer to that question is actually not something that's formula, formula, a t- turnable no formula, yeah. In other words, like so much of this just has to do with the actual providence of your life. Who are your people? Mm. So you're gonna be interacting with more people like you described. that just happens to be in the the providential slice of your life where you are so you know christians you know conservative christians who live in new york city or live in the bay area or something like that right they have to they're just you're just going to have to deal with people like that and not get triggered to live there and and those are the people god in some sense is obviously calling to figure out how to have precisely that exchange in the way that is maximally uh uh, reflective of the heart of god toward that person but here's here's something i'd say in principle that i think isn't often applied to this at the end of the day all that is really required for persuasion to work is openness of soul of some sort and i don't think that openness of soul is either a virtue that we possess in any particularly great quantity or one that we can predict where it exists on any other side, however you frame "other side." I mean, <laughs> I've been to Presbyterian church. Uh, yes. Openness of soul is not exactly our greatest virtue, though we have our virtues. Uh, it's yes. it, though there's great openness of soul there as well. It's just there's plenty of people who are just as grumpy as whatever, and it's the same thing. I think you know if I if I. Found a pile of you know Antifa people or something like that. I've had friends Antifa, I talk to people who are very sympathetic to Antifa sometimes. Like it's the same distribution of actual openness of soul, very often. Like there's a lot of ideologues, 90% of the people you hear the word submission, it's over. But there is that one guy, there's those two guys, there's those five guys. And I think what what the rhetorical goal needs to be inflected through divine providence, who are the faces that I'm actually encountering. And I really think that's at the end of the day, all it is. Yeah, everybody just has to deal with the faces in front of them. That's the strategy. That's your calling. That's where the vocation actually comes in. And what I want to say about that, you know, when you're actually just when we get all the way down to we're just dealing with the faces in front of us, I think we deeply underestimate how much how much the modern the modern moral system and modernity uh, and the justice wars and all of that has have left a group of our peers spiritually starving in ways that we cannot imagine. Yeah. And what we need to see is not just a bunch of enemies but actually potential refugees where if you throw a bait out in the water and it might be it might be the word submission it might be actually that triggery of a word but inflected in a way that that, that speaks to something in their soul that they can't not have and so here's the thing like you you you, this is, this is why I think the rhetoric of Jordan Peterson actually in some ways is so powerful because he can speak about the trigger terms, but he speaks of them, I think, wrapped in a kind of dignity that is very difficult for the animal <laughs> to not yeah. be attracted to. And the animal, you know, that that kind of spiritual animal, you know, mix or whatever, you, however you want to describe that is just part of the image of God. You know, so for instance, um, you know, the right you know, tends to emphasize home, tends to emphasize the local, it tends to emphasize the tends to emphasize the hearth, blood, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. Those appeals are meaningful. They just are. Yeah. Uh, And and you can say them to everybody. In fact, and in fact, it's funny where, you know, what do you think, you know, when people are, you know, bougie, you know, upper middle class lefties, what do they do but go find a home where they're with a bunch of people who are just like them and can make their neighborhood just the way they want it because they Absolutely. feel the same thing. They have the same drives. They want yeah. their family to be just the like it is, and they make their kitchen just the way they want it, because they're people. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like submission, there's something in the human, there's something in the sovereign, the sovereignty of man that is unfulfilled and unactualized before it freely lays itself down before a greater king. And I think that that can be precision targeted into the heart of man, not like like it's going to work or something not this isn't a formula <laughs> but but it's but it's assuming that there's a thing there and then to say you know just like a, you know ratatouille right a chef can come from anywhere uh, yeah. openness of soul is wherever it is it's wherever the spirit moves when you throw that spear of that word but it's it's not just throwing facts it's 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 it, it's communicating a thing (laughs) yeah it's communicating a reality uh uh. yeah
1: and 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 it takes i think joe it takes an intentional brother here's the thing when we talk about this sort of thing like how do we do christianity and modernity is really what we're talking about Uh, it really does come down to dealing with the person as the person, divorced from whatever you tend to code them as, mm-hmm. because of everything that you're shaped by to read that person, the way that we're taught to read that person. That person uh, is a part, uh, is is a person <laughs> that has been given equally uh the commission to take dominion of the world right and to fill it with image bearers of God their fellow co- kings they're co-rulers literally rulers co-rulers literally and I think part of the art of being a Christian in the modern age is being able to look at a person and go ah i think i see something there that probably relates to this and this and this and this and that is most likely on a probability scale what's contributing at least in part to why they're why they're manifesting certain behaviors and pathologies and the ra- w- the way that they dress in public and like they they are trying to uh do something i mean my mind is going so I'm just going to jump over to what I wanted to say Uh, but like uh, Aristotle's ethics every thought action and inquiry is aimed at some good first sentence in in, uh, the ethics that uh, statement is so meaningful uh, because when you really do understand Tom Holland's picked up on this you mentioned Jordan Peterson I think that Uh, Jung was sort of getting at this, too, with his emphasis on myths and stories, and uh, Campbell sort of picked up the mantle, but I think that all of them are in uh, in a conversation saying the same thing that Jesus actually said, Uh, which is that, and Paul says it in Acts chapter 17, before he gives his statement at the Areopagus about the unknown God, he talks about how people are groping around in the dark trying right. to find something that's true the, right. the the nature of man does go towards that which created it how could it not that's the question yeah how could yeah, it not the, try to grope? well so let me just wrap that yeah, up yeah yeah go ahead so what i'm saying is if we really really believe that if we believe what paul said in acts if we believe that Aristotle was on to something. If we believe that there is this meta-narrative that that weaves us all together in one storyline, and it's only because of God's creative act, then the art of Christianity in the modern age is to tap into the thing that they're injecting into their own narrative that's preventing them from embracing the beauty of the one meta narrative right and then and then surgically removing those splinters in their mind and in their soul to liberate them from slavery yeah. to the kingdom of darkness like if that's the move well then that's 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 great <laughs> uh this is what we should be
0: about yeah, there's a misunderstanding of total depravity, you know, so, you know, the doctrine of total depravity, which you and I confess, which is that really, yes. I'm, I'm just saying it off the fly here, but, you know, that, that all man comprehensively uh, is, 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 is dead in trespasses and sins and unable to respond in a redemptive way to God and to have faith in Christ Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't mean that man is as evil as he possibly could be all the time. We believe in the prevention of common grace and all that sort of thing. But one of the one of the misunderstandings of the doctrine of total depravity that can occur is to sort of say a fallen man doesn't desire God at all. There's a there's a way in which that's true of the person in terms of their conscious, you know, fully self conscious. Uh, directedness toward God that's not though to say that their nature doesn't scream out for God that subtle distinction is the nature is still agitating for God because it's made for God and uh, my my former associate pastor John Berger uh, once gave the analogy I think it was helpful as I think he was paintballing one time and uh, 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 was running around and and just shooting you know well shooting paintballs I guess. But he he suddenly realized he had not taken a drink of water for a very long, a dangerously long time, and he couldn't move anymore. He got up to like go shoot a paintball and his body just gave out mm. because his body was thirsty. His yeah. body is agitating for water and we're the same. We're doing all of our things, but our soul, the soul of even the sinner is dying yeah. <laughs> to be filled with God and this is that's you know that's the 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 relief of the gospel, and this is this is one of the one of the things we talk about relatively frequently, I think, uh, in our in our conversations, and uh, and I think is especially relevant here when we talk about something like submission and our relationship to it as a as a category in our sense of its you know its its goodness, um, is that the. The reason, the reason persuasion of the truth, the reason persuasion of a category like this, following freely, in other words, the reason that is so crucial uh, is because merely deciding apart from understanding, uh, or, or, mm. or let me say that differently, thinking that it's mere enough to decide apart from understanding actually puts you at great risk Because what you really do want to see, what you really are trying to seek is a kind of, you are trying to seek certainty. You are actually trying to seek, you are actually trying to seek confidence and understanding. But so one of the things we've said here on the program before is that certainty, apart from pilgrimage, is kind of the definition of cult uh, uh that's kermit, kermit the kermit the frog told us that as yeah, well. kermit the oracle what, Frog, uh, the kermit the oracle
1: best uh, meme the oracle. series yes you need to get back on it brother i, don't yeah, know I need way. to i need to make some more
0: kermit the oracle well i shouldn't admit that i'm doing that in case uh <laughs> some studio, excuse me uh not as uh, kermit the oracle frog not associated with the davenant institute um okay <laughs> uh <laughs> um right that that certainty apart from pilgrimage is the very definition of cult in a certain sort of way and and one of the one of the things that's ironic about it is that it actually doesn't wind up producing certainty because as the world when when you when you when you take that approach to things what happens is more and more of the data of the world smashes into you and you 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 feel the wobble over and over again, and your relationship to what you believe and to, and to submitting to God increasingly becomes uh, a, a, a dimension of will. It increasingly becomes sort of a thing that you're kind of white-knuckling yourself into rather yeah. than being becoming less an item of like, it has to start that way, certainly for children, certainly for us as immature believers, and certainly for every believer on this side of the mortal coil, there's a significant dimension of the Christian life that does require self-possession and willpower and being strong-willed and all of those sorts of things. Nevertheless, in as much as we're moving toward maturity, and this is really what I'm trying to say, in as much as we're moving toward maturity, that is Always involving the kind of movement toward internalized understanding that gives you a freer and more easy breathing relationship to all of those things because you do understand it and your your whole self agrees with it and finds God trustworthy in it because what he says just is the reality that I'm beginning to see. I'm just coming to see what he's told me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so yeah. I can trust him. And that's yeah, and then I'm, you know, more his splashing around happy child just trusting his way yeah.
1: yeah and i think um some people are not interested in doing that on a uh sort of i think i think i think some people so i, I want to generalities are good and we don't have to make qualifications about generalities because generalities are just generalities but ecclesiastes i think it's like 118 and following to the end of the chapter solomon why is this man to ever live right he talks about how it's an unhappy lot that god has given to man to search out all the things under heaven all, all the things under the sun and uh when you're talking about maturity and especially maturity in this current iteration of god's providence we, god might not come back for another ten thousand years right uh, so you know if if he doesn't like where 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 did we what were we thinking at this particular moment dealing with all of the things that we have to deal with uh we can simultaneously hold to a understanding that god has given us and this goes to your point about the bible that it really doesn't feel happy all the time that we have to search all the things out underneath the sun and with great understanding comes much vexation solomon says So if you feel a level of vexation in your soul, when you come upon greater and greater bits Mm -hmm. of the shore of understanding, then just know that you're in good company. (laughs) Uh, What what shouldn't scare us is the fact that we don't feel perfectly in line with all the things. Uh, And that just means that we're looking forward to glory. We're looking forward to the celestial city. We're looking forward to the full revelation of God in the face of Jesus Christ given to us where we can understand things the way that humans are supposed to understand things. And so as we move out into our everyday life, when we're trying to communicate with our political or ideological opponents, uh, you can hold the tension of frustration Uh, And uh, unhappiness in the same hand that you can hold hope and a commitment towards uh, persuasion about the goodness of submission to that God. This God has offered himself in the person of Christ precisely to you misses whatever you mr mr ideologue that you know believes all the things that i just don't believe and when you can do that in a wise way with all of the gifts that god has given you then at the end of the day when you lay your head on the pillow joe i really think you can say to yourself god here's the here's what's interesting dude god gives us our therapy through us being therapists to others on the behalf of God it's this beautiful reciprocal relationship that when we open our mouths to people that hate God in this present age with whatever however they manifest that that we discover something about ourselves that connects with them on a very deep level if we're sensitive and we're operating with good empathy towards them to where we can understand why they would sort of do what they're doing but nevertheless realize that we have the key to eternal peace and when we do that when we think along those lines we actually start to embody that peace more and more and more so when we're when we're talking to our opponents, that's good for our own soul, <laughs> uh, right. and that's a beautiful
0: move, right? Um, so, right. yeah, yeah. I was just gonna add. You know, we're we're going down yes. toward a close here. I was just gonna gonna say that um, I was writing just this week about uh, I'm, I'm teaching a class coming up: approaches to defending the faith. And I, I was writing a for Davenant for Hall for Davenant Hall right and I, and I was writing a promo blog post for it you know that kind of became a uh, uh, turns out a history of my relationship with presuppositionalism, which was a weird thing to write about. I didn't mean to write about that but yeah. that's how the that's just how it came out yes. uh, so but one of the things that I found myself writing was that I, I think in, in this isn't all presuppositionalists so I, I tried to qualify in the piece I'm not trying to dig on all presuppositionalists. But sometimes when you when you encounter a certain kind of apologetics method or a certain you know you know a certain kind of character, uh, the way the conversation about doubt moves is to always make a kind of meta move backward to a pre-issue. So here's the here's where I am, and here's ah. my here's my access point to doubting something about God, and what you always do is say nope. Before we can talk about that, let's go back here and then if you get all this correct, then you'll see that all that's impossible yada, yad, yad, kind of kind of kind of predetermine what can bother you downstream by fixing it at the source. And it seems to me like that just doesn't actually wind up working. I, one of the things that I think became a cognitive dissonance with me is that and again I think there's plenty of presuppositionalists that would recognize that as well but but at least yeah. that variety of of the strategy, that doesn't work. Rather, what it feels like to mature and to come to confidence, to come to knowledge, uh, is not to get a you know the perfect set of a prioris. It's actually um, to press through. It's actually not to go backwards. It's to move forward. Here's the thing that's bothering me. It's to press into the thing that's bothering you, and to go there prayerfully. Uh, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's nice. I have to say about being 39 versus 21 uh, is that I've, sp- I've spent a lot of years doubting. I've spent a lot of years wondering about things. And I've spent a lot of years worried that if I go ask this question, I'm going to go off the deep end, but I have been able to say at each moment, Jesus be with me and preserve me from error and help, help my, help me see you and not be misguided. And I've seen him do that now for oh, 25 years <laughs> You yes. know, and so, you know, when you've seen him do that for 25 years, you become a little less afraid, actually, that he's just going to leave you hanging. If yes. you, don't, you don't let yourself ask that question. No, you, you've been reading Dune recently, and we were just talking about the, what is this? The, 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 the,
1: the, the uh, litany against fear.
0: Yes. Yes. That's the, the fear is the mind killer, but I will face my fears like the act. Yes. I'm going to let them pass through me. I don't remember all the language. Yes. <laughs> we're being nerds right now. Uh, yes. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, you, you recorded it to me the other day and I quite appreciated it. But exactly. It is actually found in taking Jesus through that kind of intellectual valley of the shadow of death, as it mm-hmm. were, and seeing that he is faithful to preserve you there and to send you people. Uh, to, to actively seek out the people who can help you in this world. Um, and I think when you, when you when you take that approach, what you find is, to go back to something you asked earlier, what you find is you aren't actually just adrift in the world where you don't actually, you know, always learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. You, what, what you find is that you actually grow in real confidence. Yeah. There are there are certain questions that you don't find yourself going back to as often in kind of OCD. Let me check my answer fashion because you you've internalized it more deeply because you understand more deeply uh, and yeah, so you yeah. actually do come to concrete knowing uh, that's firm and delicious and wonderful. <laughs> yes, and yeah. and it's
1: an appreciation of the beauty and yeah. the good and the true. Yeah. and and that's I think all we're trying to say uh, submission to God comes through persuasion of the goodness of god yeah uh, that god is for us and he's not against us he's not a mean grumpy old man with a big white beard tapping his toe on the clouds with his arms fixed sort of going like right. now 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 he like moved right. the mountains and sent his son to die on a tree for and, you and what
0: that means what that means for us is that you know, I think of modern sexual confusion or modern gender confusion, the thing that I think needs to be communicated to to spiritual refugees more than anything else is the God who ordered your body this way did good to you by doing that. It's a good, and actually what's, what there's a piece of you that's dying to be to, to be seen to be recognized to come into being to come into expression because it's what you are and that is sheerly of the goodness of God um, and so and then so is authority so are parents so is that we have this relationship to appearance so is that we have to sometimes annoyingly say okay when dad says do this thing that's kind of annoying all of that is part of an algorithm that's 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 beautiful, and again, there's all the questions about what do you do on the margin cases, but but that's actually not as important as just shoving people's face, I think, at this point. We shouldn't give all the talking space to what do we do with the exceptions. Most of the talking space needs to be about the goodness, the goodness of the thing that we're starving for. uh, Crave the second that we see it, the very second that we see it, by nature crave it. Uh, but but sabotage at a civilizational level <laughs> in yes. actually giving to people. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think that's a great way. That's, that's a great note to just stop on, brother. Yeah, man. Um, so this was a good conversation. Um, next time we get together, just you and I, maybe maybe we can, maybe this will become a thing that we just continue talking about. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, you and I talk about it anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but all right, uh, guys, head over to uh, um, YouTube, Davenant Institute's YouTube. You can check out all of our previous episodes. We're also on iTunes and all of the other podcast catchers. We've got a Facebook page and we've got a Facebook group. Um, if you want to jump into the conversation and start to talk with uh, uh, Joe and I in the Facebook group, feel free to do so. Um yeah, we'll be back on Friday with uh, Luis Marcos to talk about his new book. So that that'll be exciting That's next, next Friday. Friday. Yeah. not this Friday. Next yeah. Friday. Um, but Joe, brother, thank you for the conversation. I love you. Love you, man. And we will see you all next time.
0: See ya.